Bonjour, welcome to Paris and another episode of No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by my dear friend, Courtney Nguyen. Hey, Courtney. Hello, Ben. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Fantastic. This is like the only tournament anymore where we ever stay in the same place, so it's nice this to see true. you. This is true. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, yeah, we are back in our lovely host lady's lovely home surrounded by her artwork. Lovely. She's an artist, who is, uh, which is awesome, and pretty she's prolific. also... Yeah, and she's also not here at the moment and hasn't been. They've been out until Saturday night. So it's been kind of nice. That's kind of good. It's, it's, it's kind of had the run of the place. So it's been cool. That's been good. We're looking at this, like, across from the room from dope. us is this, like, I'm trying, I was trying to figure out how to describe it. It's like a horse bike, like a hobby horse merged with, like, a chariot merged with, like, a, I don't even know, yeah, tricycle. It's, it's, like a, it's like one of those horses that you ride on a carousel, but miniaturized. Like, so that it's, like, something that a child could sit on. But then it's then attached to some sort of uh, French twist on a Roman chariot. It's a lot. It's a lot, and I love it. It's a big, it's a, it's a conversation piece, as we are finding it's, out by conversing about it. It's a lot it. defines my experience in Paris. So, you know, that whole are you, thing is Are you in the city getting along okay so far? No, we're not getting along, but whatever. <laughs> I ate at Kentucky Fried Chicken the first night, just out of protest. <laughs> so angry am I. Bless. <laughs> Bless. Also, all that anger's in the right places. We'll get to the draw in a second. But before we do, I guess there's we haven't done a show since mid-Rome. Uh, we had NCR Vision come out. But uh, otherwise, we have um, not talked about the Rome finals. And some results happened. Serena Williams came back and won uh, her first clay tournament of the year, uh, beating Madison Keys. Very surprised finalist in that final. Uh, let's start with just women. Uh, takeaways from Rome. And I guess if any straggling takeaways from this past week of small tournaments also. But I don't think there would be. Yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I guess I, I saw some stat today that, you know, all the clay tournaments have been won by someone, uh, like, different. There hasn't been a re- repeat winner on clay this season for the women. I think that's probably... No, that's not the case for the men because Rafa won Barcelona and uh, Monte Carlo, Carlo yeah. right? So, so, yeah, so that's a WTA stat. Um, so yeah, obviously things are pretty wide open, but I think Serena returning and just getting the monkey off her back so that she can just end the stupid, ridiculous stat of you haven't won a tournament in nine months, which I think is so eye roll worthy. And I think it's, I think it was misleading in a lot of ways, but which I think she did too, because she was out rolling her eyes at that question a lot, quite frequently. Um, she hadn't though. That was a real stat. I understand that, but she hadn't played. Nobody said she hadn't played. People just said it's been nine months. What a drought. It's like, okay. I I think it's a drought by Serena Sanders even to not have won any of her last four tournaments. Okay. Then that's a more. More, okay. That's a more relevant that's stat, fair. but to say nine months is is just trying to blow something out of proportion. She shut down her season, so um, yeah, just to get that monkey off her back to come into to Roland Garros and not have to answer as many you know negative questions like she had to answer in Miami or maybe had to answer in India Wells and things like that. So it's she comes in in a good spot mentally. I, I don't think I was particularly mega impressed by her level um, outside of maybe one one match. Um, the Kuznetsova match. Yeah, the Kuznetsova well. match was really, really good. But outside of that, you know, it was pretty standard Serena stuff, which she still romped through the field and was able to pick up that title. Um, and, and Madison Keys, uh, the other st- big story there, I guess following off Chirico maybe a little bit, making a surprise semi in Madrid. Madison Keys one up there makes a final in Rome through a tougher road than Chirico had in Madrid by far. Uh, Keys beating couple of French Open past semifinalists in Pekovic and Kvitova early, then beats uh, Muguruza in the semifinals 
and a couple of other people in between, including Stritzova, which is not a match I thought she would do well in at all with that kind of matchup on clay. It's a big week for her, and I and I know, Courtney, you've said before that you think that she should be able to do well on clay. It's been something you've tried to tell her, and it gets it clicked this week. Is she a French Open contender suddenly? I don't think so. But it's good to see her making a breakthrough back after being off radar a bit and uh, getting herself back in the conversation, even if in an unlikely place. And so I think it definitely ups her weirdly this realm is officer officer grass stock significantly if nothing else yeah for sure i mean i think that she the biggest thing about it is that she played with with um incredible composure i thought in rome and um you know against a lot of opponents who put her under a significant amount of pressure and you think about back-to-back wins over two very different opponents in Stritzova, which took her three sets to do in heavy, heavy, wet conditions, and then flipping around and being able to outlast and outgun Muguruza in that semifinal that was rain-delayed, and there was a lot of distractions that are going on. I think Madison in particular, because the week before in Madrid, she absolutely like swung and missed on a mega curveball in that match against Patricia Maria Zig. Um, that oh, could have really moved. that could that yeah that really could have um, you know set her up for a big run in Madrid as well because um, she was playing really good tennis in Madrid arguably better than she was playing in Rome um, but was totally put off by the the match move situation that was there and never was able to recover so to see her play in against two opponents there in with kind of crappy situations where you're getting pulled on and off the court and you know she's trying to serve out the match and she's two points away and it starts just storming rain and she has to sit down and she kind of has this look and she came out and she closed anyway i think those are kind of the moments where i'm more impressed with maddie than just like oh down break point you hit an ace i'm like i know you can do that but to have the mental fortitude to to push through was big i agree with you with respect to the french open i don't consider her necessarily a contender but i feel like that's more a consequence of the draw that she was given, which we'll be discussing later, than the fact that I, you know, it's not like I don't think that she could win here. I do, because I've been telling her that for years. But, um, yeah, we're, we're going to see. But great for her. And, yeah, you're right. Grass should be interesting. Oh, let's get to the men in Rome briefly. Uh, Novak Djokovic <laughs> had a very, very tough draw. Everybody had a tough draw in Rome. And that one quarter yeah. of the Rome draw was ridiculous. One of the most lopsided draws Everybody I've ever but seen. Andy Murray. Everybody Andy Murray. <laughs> and no, not, in, not a coincidence, he's the champion. Uh, Djokovic had a tough quarterfinal two sets, but very tough against Rafael Nadal, which he won. He's won something I want to say to count it like 16 straight sets or 14 or 16 straight sets against Nadal. Really? Won by Djokovic now. Yep. ATP wow. stats for you. Check you back into this tour. He's uh, pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good <laughs> for, for someone who's his chief rival and on clay, a few of those matches as well. So that's really good for Novak. Um, and he had another tough late semifinal um, against Hayden Shikori, which went to a third set tiebreak. And the lateness, really, I think, was the big decider in that match. I mean, just it's always going to be a big advantage for anybody, especially in a Masters final where there's great matches being played. Anywhere I got to start his uh, semifinal like at least six or seven hours earlier and had a really easy matchup against Lucas Pui, who was a lucky loser, who got very lucky, got a couple walkovers, addition, or got, sorry, got a lucky loser into a bye and then got a walkover in the quarters. So he was uh, lucky to be there, and Murray was lucky to see him there. Uh, and so things set up lopsidedly. Do I read too much into the shift of Murray then beating Djokovic with everything Is on Is Andy Murray side? the new king of clay, as BBC Sport asked BBC, the world? BBC does pose that question, and I'm going to just sort of go, <laughs> no, which I think would probably be Andy Murray's reaction. Yeah. As he sort of said last time, they said Whoa. this last year. They've used this headline before. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, hey there, Andy uh, Murray. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. So, no. But it makes uh, the draw, we can get to the men's draw first in Paris. The draw in Paris is similarly lopsided. Andy Murray, again, will find himself kind of all alone on the bottom half. Can we back up just one second? Because uh-huh. I do have one thought about the Andy Murray lopsided draw thing, because it is going to impact our discussion here. Yeah. With respect to Rome. One takeaway that I did have from Rome, uh, which is a takeaway that has existed for many times with Novak, because it's happened many times, and Andy Murray has normally been the one that benefits from it, is that no matter how well Novak is playing, it can take a team effort to take, like a team effort can take him down. Yeah. So when you look at a draw, it's not always about the singular matchup of like somebody's going to beat that person. But it's like, it's happened in Wimbledon. It happened last year here. It happened in Wimbledon. Uh, the year that Andy Murray won, uh, no- Novak had that crazy long match against Delpo, I want to say, yeah. right? Before that, um, Novak had that weird Thomas Burdick win-strewn match. Uh, no, not Burdick. Uh, whichever match that was when Andy won the U.S. Open. Oh, Ferrer. Yeah. yeah. Just all these different things. Like There have been instances where Novak's recovery does get tested. And time and time again, having to come through those sorts of matches, yeah, he might, you might look at him and be like, yeah, you can beat all these people. But in succession, over time... You know, totally it does catch up with you. Year at the French Open yeah. because he had beaten it all, which looked like that was yeah. like a de facto final. People thought he got through that, which was a quarterfinal. Then he played Murray in a very tough semi that got, I think the crucial part was it got rain delayed to the next day. Yeah. And then even though Djokovic, I think, bageled him in that fifth set on the postponement day, uh, he didn't have as much in the tank against a very well-rested standard. came out and played great, obviously, but there had, like you said, it was a team effort. It was like a group of toddlers all piling on to dad well, yeah. to bring him down. Well, and, it, and it's it's a concept that I often apply to Serena. Yeah, sure. That, that yes, yeah, Serena's better than everybody, but if enough people, you know, take her to three sets, push her deep, and that was something why last year's, you know, win here in Paris was pretty incredible, just what she was able to do, but... But, um, you know, that is a way that you can knock her out is that you you put in effort after effort after effort, player, 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 um, and kind of uh, sap her, her resources. Although that's much harder to do at a major for both players because you do get that extra day of rest. One last thing I should mention on Rome before we get totally paired. I just didn't want to not mention the fact that Debbie Goffin double bageled Thomas Burnish <laughs> in that tournament because that was... 12 games for Goffendor! That was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. All of that. And then Valverde immediately got... Can't. Sacked, and somebody. I, I'm sorry that I don't. I don't know who, who tweeted this today, but somebody did see that they were practicing together. I don't know if this was a joke. Burdich and Goffin. Yeah, I don't know if this was a joke or a thing that actually happened. But apparently, I saw a tweet today where they were practicing, and, the, and they're like, Thomas didn't get that many games either this time. <laughs> so. Oh dear. Well, the other thing, fun. the other notable thing, and I guess Burdich. We talked about Burdich and Ferrer being these sort of top ten perennials but also sort of fillers in some ways because they're not threats for the titles really Ferrer's out of the top 10 now for the first time in a long time he's down to number 12 don't uh, sound so excited Ben <laughs> so so he is uh seated lower in this draw which is he's number 11 seat in this draw with Federer out on oh, Federer's out that's the other thing that happened before we get to the main draw but let's just get to the draw because we've dilly dallied enough I'm going to title this episode draw me like one of your French <laughs> opens again because that was my favorite episode <laughs> title ever last year and I'm just going to use it again part de part de exactly mm-hmm. bon <laughs> Ale, Novak Djokovic's quarter, um, it's pretty good. I mean, the the quarter is, or sorry, the the eighth itself is pretty good. Looking at this eighth, any anything that stands out? I think there's one battle of unseateds in Chorich Fritz, which is like a good like popcorn. Yeah, it's a good match. Youngsters battle. Will yeah. either of them contend? And I will say it's much more important for Chorich that match than Fritz. Yes. 
Yes. Chorich, I think, is in danger, and this is a ridiculous thing to say about a 19-year-old, but he's in danger of plateauing a little bit, and he hasn't really continued his rise. He made this really fast jump to, like, periphery top 50, and he sort of hovered. And if he wants to keep, you know, this is all ridiculous, you know, sports radio talking about to you. So he wants to stay in the conversation and, you know, show his potential. I think he needs to start delivering more results. He's kind of gone a bit invisible for someone with his hype. So. Okay. I mean, I think that the conversation stops when you say he's 19 years old. I think that. That's fair. And we but... always, and you, I mean, I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I'm probably a little bit more forgiving of the youngsters than Ben sure. is. But I, I do agree with you that Chorch needs a good win, especially because he hates grass so much. And this draw is good for him. And he, it's can coming, make, he can make fourth round. And he hates grass so much that he needs to get these points on the hard courts and on the clay courts. And he hasn't really done that. Um, especially when you have a situation where just this weekend you have Dominic Team and uh, Alexander Zverev playing a final um, in Nice. Like, clearly it's an issue when, you know, you're not posting results and your peer group isn't posting exactly. results, which is what has happened in the past. And now, you know, you're kind of being passed. And, you know, you see that with the not maybe this next gen, but the gen? I don't know if that's what that's called, but the Raonic, uh, Nishikori, Dimitrov. Uh, Dimitrov, and Dimitrov is in that situation where it's like, okay, we can say age, whatever, yada, yada, but you've been passed by your peers, and that's the problem. Like, I'm not asking you to beat, you know, Novak every time, but I'm asking you to to, to stay level with, with the players that we consider um, part of your, your peer group. Speaking of Dimitrov, we'll get to him in the draw wherever he is later. Epic Nike text. But or th- th- this Nike tweet is like this tweet from... There's been some, Delicious. There's been some really horrible uh, ad campaigns going on at this friendship, and I'm just going to say that. Uh, the Nike text uh, tweet was allegedly a quote from Grigor Dimitrov saying, I'm here. Why not me? Why can't I lift that trophy? Why can't you, though? Grigor thoughts. <laughs> they, Grigor should thoughts. Hashtag, they should hashtag it Grigor thoughts. Grigor thoughts. And it's a great photo of him getting out of a car near the Eiffel Tower. So... Oh, that's wonderful. You can't win because you're not even at the freaking tournament. You're at the Eiffel Tower. That's not where we play the tournament, man. Fair point. Fair point. Uh, Djokovic is going to get through this, I think, pretty easily. I don't see any dangerous draws for him in this opening section. Do you? No, I don't necessarily. He opens against Randy Liu, um, plays qualifier in the second round. Also in this section is an interesting one with Bernard Tomic versus Brian Baker, which I immediately thought Brian Baker might win a match, um, <laughs> which would be amazing. I'd be so happy. I love Brian Baker. I think he's just such a nice guy. Um, Dimitri Tursunov, Roberto Bautista Agu, 14th seed, also in this little eighth. But yeah, this is this is pretty straightforward stuff. It's hard to see any situation in which Novak does not get through uh, to the quarterfinals, minimum. I agree, I agree with that. Yeah. So in the quarterfinals, he could play Dole Bagel recipient Thomas Burdich or David Ferrer. We mentioned them together, and now they're having to face each other in this early round they normally would. This quarter, again, this section, again, is not the toughest for Djokovic. Djokovic was a big draw winner, uh, at least through the to, to the semifinals, I think. Um, I don't see any notable names in this section almost at all that I'm looking at. Yeah, I mean, this section is, as Ben mentioned, headed by Thomas Burdick and, and David Ferrer. And uh, in here, the only match that really jumped out to me was um, Young Chung against Quentin Alice, uh, which is pretty fun. That's like a young, young up and comer. Yeah, yeah, another youngins battle. So that looked pretty cool. And then there was a part of me that kind of thought, 
Juan Monaco to the quarterfinals. Yeah, it's doable. A couple people have. I mean, I don't think Berta Ferrer imposing seeds anchoring the section right. at all with how they're playing lately. So I think Monaco has a shot, having made the Rome quarters. Although he had, was hurt there, hopefully nothing serious. And then Pablo Cuevas is a twenty-five seed, and I guess won Rio this year would certainly have a shot at making the That's quarters because why not? Because why, why not? not? Yeah, no, this because. is this section's a bit of a mess. So good news for Novak Djokovic. Pretty pretty good look into the uh, the quarterfinals and beyond semifinals minimum. You know who did not win this draw is Rafael Nadal. Wah. Rafael Nadal. Not not a bad first two rounds. Sam Groth on clay shouldn't be a problem. Sam Groth has not played well at all this year. Uh, Bagnus and Deskepper, again, not a tough second round for him either. But then it gets messy, potentially, with Fabio Fanini, who's his, like, tormentor. Although Fanini is a tough first round against Granaliers, but that could be a possible third round for Nadal is Fanini. And then fourth round, he could play today's, uh, either one of, actually, of today's finalists in Nice, uh, Dominic Team or Alexander Zverev, both hovering as possible fourth round opponents. And, and Zverev pushed yeah, him real exactly. hard at Indian Wells. That was a great match. Great, great match. I'm sure Zverev would like a, another oh. crack at him. What was that a backhand? It was a, no, it was a forehand volley. Forehand. It was a forehand. It's like step, stepping in forehand yeah, volley, just forehand. netted. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, painful. Sasha. Painful. Uh, yeah, this is, this is not pleasant, um, you know, especially when you compare it to, you know, the draws that Andy Murray got into the fourth round or, or, or Novak Djokovic. I mean, there's, there are far more landmines here. You still expect Rafa to get through. Um, but yeah, I think that Rafa fans are going to, you know, he's going to need their positive energy. They're going to have to sing the Vamos Rafa song a lot. So you and sidebar, you enjoyed the NCR vision. It seemed I did. It was, it was good. You ordered the songs really well and I appreciated the fake crowd noise. I love, I enjoyed that. Um, and I also really liked Carol just counting. Right. (laughs) I just wanted Carol's voice in there. She was so, it was like as French as I've ever heard Carol. Like, (laughs) <laughs> you know the funny thing Constantly. behind the scenes thought on NCR Rich and she actually got 22 wrong she said just like grammatically completely incorrect 22 um, and and I, I noticed it but she like kept going and then she was like like 10 seconds later she was like wait like, that's not how you say 22 like no it's not I, even I knew that Carol come on get your shit together Carol get your shit together uh, the bottom part of this top half features two potentially tough quarterfinal opponents I think for Nadal in the top seeds Joe Wilfred Sanga being the sixth seed I'm surprised he's seated that high. And Debbie Goffin, who had obviously a great run in Rome, or that great double bagel anyway, and then pushed Murray decently hard in their quarterfinal. Uh, Goffin, I think, is the toughest possible quarterfinal. Of, I think it's tougher than Song. It's more of an unknown. He's surging. And I just think it'd be a really cool matchup to see Nadal versus Goffin at the French Open because Goffin is so like lithe and Nadal is so physical. So just on like a pure contrast point of view, I think it would be... A fun one. Uh, anything else jump out at you in this section here? This sounds weird, but I'm just like shocked that Ernest Golbus is in the main draw. There's some part of me that thought like, oh, wasn't he in qualies or something? But no, he got direct entry in. So good for him. Good for you. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm very curious to see what Joe Sanga does um, here in Paris, just because the results haven't been there and the form haven't been there, but he hasn't really ever needed to do any of that. Like he's pretty good about managing his energy levels and his focus levels to just bring it to the tournaments he chooses to bring it to. And obviously Paris is, is, is a big deal. Seated sixth due to his semifinal run here, I guess, last year, which was, which was solid. But, you know, on any given day, Joe's great. Nice draw here. But yeah, I mean, I think Gof- I, I'm with you. I think Gofan Nadal would be interesting. I think the crowd for Sanga uh, Nadal would be 
fun. I can't remember their matches. Any matches they're here? Here? Yeah, can't. I can't remember. Not the top of my head. Speaking of French guys, uh, I should also note that Monfils is out of this tournament, yes. which sucks. Wah. That was a bummer oh, because I was bummer. this whole year with he was doing so steadily well. And he made, I think, the Monte Carlo final against Nadal. Yes. He did. And just like, this was always a place where everything could have come together. I always thought that he would have one dream French Open run in him at some point. To yeah. make a final, maybe to win the tournament. I always thought he, his ceiling is so high. And he always plays his best at the French Open. Things were coming together for him here. And it just sucks it, whatever. And it's a bit worrisome him. because he, he pulled out due to a, vir- to a virus. But he also pulled out, you know, five almost six days before maybe he would have had to play his first round match. So it's a little bit worrisome. Most times if you see viral infection withdrawals, it's be- it happens the day before or the day of because they're just constantly racing the clock to try and get better. So I'm a little worried. Like, why? Like, how bad is it that he pulled out so early? Well, let me ask you this, sidebar, because Federer also pulled out that same day, which was Thursday, which is the day before the draw. Yeah. And I saw a few people on Twitter saying, good for Federer for, for withdrawing before the draw comes out so that his seed didn't screw up the draw right. and have a possible Nadal-Djokovic quarterfinal, I guess, was the concern right. there. Um, although, depending on when he did it, he could they could have still reshuffled, depending on how late he pulled out. Is that something a player should care about in making a determination about their tournament? I think absolutely not. Absolutely not. I yeah. mean, and, you know, we saw this on the WTA side uh, because Belinda Bencic and Caroline Wozniacki's withdrawals were both announced on the same day. Bencic's happened earlier and it happened before qualifying began here in Paris and so therefore her uh, another qualifier you know it, it was fine it didn't mess up the draw Lauren or Davis, anything yeah. Lauren Davis Lauren Davis was next in so she got into the main draw Caroline Wozniacki announced her withdrawal a few hours after that after qualifying began messing up the draw a little bit and uh, that's uh, Solera Espinosa who is the lucky loser who's going to play Tamea Baczynski in the first round um and people are like, oh, she should have announced it earlier. It's like, dude, these are like, think of players as teams in a league. It is not my responsibility to like think of you no. when I make my decision. My my decision should be made according to to you know uh, what is important to me. Um, and if you and, think you have a shot, why pull out too early? Yeah, you know why and, throw away your chance? Right. If you That's why shot. with Monfils, I'm kind of like, why did you pull out so early? But then. With uh, with Wozniak, it was a little bit of a weirder situation because honestly, we're talking about hours. It's not like she waited until right. the very last minute. Like it's kind of like really, you couldn't get your paperwork earlier. There was something, there was something <laughs> that happened with that a couple years ago at Wimbledon, uh, where Tommy Haas was going to have shoulder surgery and withdrew like an hour after qualifying yeah. started. And it was like we he knew he was having surgery, and I think it was Smichek who would have gotten in. And then, like, missed that lucky loser. Have like this, like, all these, like, series of things go wrong for him. The lucky but it's loser also kind of like if I'm Tommy Haas or if I'm Caroline Wozniak, I'm not sitting there being like, so when does the qualifying start? Right. You know, like, I'm not concerned. I'm just, like, kind of, I'm not concerned about it. Other other side point on this, which I think is interesting, just mentioning the names who have pulled out of this tournament, being Federer, Malfis, Wozniacki, and Bencic. The only players that pull out of tournaments anymore, slams, are, like, big names who don't need the first round prize money. Everybody else mm. hangs around. It's, it's like a luxury to be able to pull out of a slam yeah. at this point with how the prize money is. Well, that's, you know, it's a, it's a big discussion point that, yeah. um, I don't know, if people haven't, I would encourage you to listen to um, the podcast, the WTA Insider podcast that I did Steve with Steve Simon, Simon yeah. where he does discuss his desire as CEO of the tour, of the tour which I work for, disclaimer, um, that, in case uh, you missed it, in case you missed it uh, of wanting to you know, change the circuit structure and change the prize money distribution so that players 
on the WTA are not as reliant on the slams uh, for their prize money and that they can, you know, rely on the tour to make their money. And that has definitely been a uh, shift in focus as the explosion of slam prize money has happened in the last four years. Totally. And it's insane. I mean, and, and it also is what leads to all of these weird days. I don't know if it's going to happen here in Paris, but it happens in Australia, it happens at the US Open, it happens at Wimbledon where players show up injured and they play and they retire or they put in a crap performance in the first round because they just need to get the check. Yeah. And, and it's it's not because the check is so much money. Like, you can't even begrudge them. Yeah, if, uh, if, if you're hurt, you if know? you're hurt. I mean, like, I know Shelby Rogers, for example, when right. we last yeah. year, had was like, was, like, mummified, got double big on my pack of vision, wasn't even as close as the score. And she won, like, I don't forget the exact number, but something like eight points or something really sad. And but at the same time, she her ranking entitled her to that thirty five thousand dollars or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. She should that's it, and that make up twenty percent of her income for that year. Why wouldn't she go out there and do it? So I'm all as people have seen. I've tweeted some about various prize money issues, whatever, with various ATP players in recent uh, weeks, which I'm happy to do is fine. Um, but I do think the whole the whole prize money system. I would be open to like radical reimaginings of it of how compensation works in the sport because yeah. I think that prize money somewhat broken let's wrap up the top half of the bench draw <laughs> um, before we're going so meta uh do you think i guess just big questions do you think we're gonna get a djokovic at all semi and if so who wins I do. I do think that we are going to get a, Nok- a, a, so a Djokovic uh, Nadal semi. I, I am intrigued by the con- the possibility of Gofan Nadal and, and Sanga Nadal, but I do think that Rafa gets through there. Um, and I do think Novak takes care of business in that situation. I don't think that that draw that he has in that section is one that is going to be a, a dog pa- dogpiling dad situation. I don't think that he is going to have to expend a significant amount of energy to make it into the semifinals. Um, and then from there, you know, he can then refocus. And um, so that's that's kind of where I come down on that one. I'm pretty much agree with you. I think that he can get through it. But I do think that it will be close. I think that it all will get at least a set should they meet. I think that streak hmm. will end. And I think that the factors here, the conditions, the ghosts of Paris, the good ghosts, friendly Casper ghosts for Nadal, the positive emotions here, as he would probably say, and the uh, positive sensations or something, and the illusions. negative for, yeah, exactly, the good illusions. And for Djokovic, the opposite of that. Yeah, he um, needs to call in Kate McKinnon and the gang and uh, get the Ghostbusters around Paris to try and get rid of these demons. Although, you know what? That might We don't know. That might have happened last year during the trophy ceremony when he got that incredible ovation that really moved him um, during his runner-up situation. That might have banished any demons last, about Paris. Last time we saw someone famously have an emotion, have emotions, actually breakthrough moment here for me <laughs> famous emotions through through tennis history and grand slam trophy presentations andy murray wimbledon 2012 wins wimbledon the next year roger federer australian open 2009 wins the australian open the next year novak djokovic french open 2015 oh my <gasps> god coming to you on the new york times shortly i just feel like i was I, that was a beautiful mind moment for me right there <laughs> on the window with the chalk or whatever all right bottom half of this draw uh, where Andy Murray is very lucky to be. Andy Murray, uh, actually, odds makers, moved him up to second favorite above Nadal after this draw came out. They liked it yes. so much for him, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, I can see that. And also, Nadal's stock falling as much as Murray's rising. But the draw is good for him. This first part of the <laughs> the bottom half, uh, the top eighth of it, I think it's very devoid of anybody who's real reliable here. Ronich has not had a good few months. Uh, has had, suffered a few very lopsided losses to players he should be hanging with. Um, lost a lot of steam from what was an amazing start to the year uh, with semis in Australia, Thailand, Brisbane, 
final in Indian Wells. So who gets through? And Lucas Puy is seated now. My God, after that, a semifinal run will do that to you. I mean, he was lucky loser on every single level in terms of everything that happened that week and its impact. I mean, yeah, Lucas Puy being at, at the 29th seed is, is pretty funny and hilariously playing French wild card Julian Beneteau. Beneteau title watches on you guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this this eighth uh, headline by Raonic as well as Chilich. Chilich playing in a final. Uh, this uh, week losing to Vavrinka, I guess yeah, it was. In the Geneva final. <laughs> in Geneva. Um, good. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, I think Jack Sock has a good look here. I was going to say, it's one of those sections where everybody's lucky to be here. Yeah. And I think Sock is a beneficiary of that. And he made the fourth round here last year. Chilich making a Geneva final, assuming he's not worn out from that. He's got a pretty good look at making the uh, yeah, quarters this here. Ronic could yeah, do it. Ronic, Ronic is the best player of this group. So he could do it if he's on form. A streaking man. Tipsarovich back. Even... There's a ghost reappearing. Uh, yeah. So I don't think it really matters what makes it out of this section. Big picture. But <laughs> making all sorts of faces at the mention of that name. Moving on to the next part of the draw. Where Stan Vavrinka, defending champion, is in here with a much more crowded neighborhood. Uh, Lucas Russell's not a easy first round. It's not a comfortable first round for anybody. It's not comfortable. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Shardy, another dangerous player. Possibly third so. round for him. And then in this upper section, we get unseated Grigor Dimitrov is in this section playing Troitsky first. But there's first. no reason he can't win. No reason he can't win. Yeah. Um, and then Simo- Jill Simone is a high section as a possible fourth round for Vavrinka. So not not an easy draw for Vavrinka at all. No, not at all. And uh, interesting name that popped out of here that I saw earlier today when I was looking at the draw. Lucky loser Adam Pavlosek. Oh, hey, yeah. what's up, man? Former. Is this, is this his first slam main drop? Might it be. might be, yeah. Good for him. Ex-boyfriend of, of Petra Kvitova. Now of age. And yeah, no, I mean, it's, I think Stan gets through here. I think he's, he's, I think that week in Geneva, uh, getting that title, not in like a big. Serena situation, you know, just like get it done. And nobody was talking about him. Everybody was talking about Stan slumping and just to get wins together and arrive here. Hopefully they give him the late start, um, you know, and give him a little bit of time, but I knows? mean, he needed a lot more than Serena. You, you mentioned Serena yeah. at the beginning. You were talking about Serena not he playing. Did, yes, he, he had been playing and losing. Yeah. So yeah. he needed it a lot more than Serena. But I do think he gets through this section. I think it should be a good battle testing for him. At the same time, he can also lose any of these matches. Second round against Kleezon, potentially tough. Kleezon's sure. a good clay quarter. Best of five. I just don't see it with right. the Rosal, Kleezon, Charlie. Stan is so up five. and down. I mean, Stan very he controls his own destiny, which is kind of dangerous in yeah. all fronts. Yeah. Um, bottom quarter is pretty loaded. Uh, Andy Murray, big picture, has a better half, but the actual road there is not that easy. Uh, the first part, let's go to the just uh, sorry, the quarter, is Nishikori and Gasquet here uh, as the two anchors. And Nishikori's had a pretty solid play season, uh, making semis uh, at both Madrid and Rome. Good luck for him to make quarters here, you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the name that, that sticks out here are a couple names, but one name potential third round opponent Fernando Verdasco I think that if Fernando decides to have a day like he had in Australia I think that's going to be a potential upset there um even though he hasn't really posted any results uh that have been notable um on the clay season so far Nick Kyrgios yeah also obviously in this section he's a potential third round opponent to Richard Gasquet those two with their crazy epics and thing. things like that it's a whole thing with Nick and Ricky um so Nikki I and Ricky Nikki and Ricky I'm so there for that I would watch that match it's for buddy, sure it's a buddy comedy it I is a buddy watch. comedy it's a buddy it's 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 an odd couple those two I just can't quit you um yeah so Kyrgios is in there very interested to see what Nick Kyrgios is, uh, does has had a fantastic clay season really has Nick so um who knows and then you have that Nick uh, potential uh, fourth round Nick with K 
which uh, again, two players who play them play each other uh, fairly tight. Um, K has kind of gotten the better of that matchup, but Nick obviously getting the experience, making headway. So, you know, keep an eye on Kyrgios in this little section. I, I remain so impressed by how well Nick has translated his game to clay. I did not. Yeah. He was a young player. I did not see that coming at all. But he really has shown the patience to do it very well. Gasquet is the huge draw loser here. He gets Bellucci first round, which is tough. Bellucci, who bageled Djokovic in Rome. You're making faces, but he did just do that <laughs> thing, which is a real thing. Um, and then he gets Kyrgios possibly as his first seed. And then Nishikori, who he has started losing to after having previously owned. Uh, not great for young Ricky. Uh, not so young Ricky I was no. watching the other day like on Canal or something like that and they were like doing some stuff on the French Open and they were interviewing Richard Gasquet and I was just like all of a sudden I looked at him and I was like oh man you are old not old but like you're officially kind of weathered like you 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 look older all of a sudden I'm just saying he has all he always looked kind of like little to me and okay. all of a sudden I was like oh Uncle Ricky you're aging Ricky yeah, is all we're saying. as we all are as we all are it's okay don't fight it Andy Murray is in this last section of the draw, uh, second favorite by the odds makers, a new king of play per BBC, or possibly. Let's start that conversation anyway. Ask the question. Let's ask the question. People have been asking all sorts of problematic questions this week in tennis media, I must say. Uh, Andy Murray, as a tough first, I mean, uh, an exhausting but probably safe first run against Roddick Stepanek, it'll be flareful and more annoying than it should be. Uh, Jimmy Swasson, no, will get very excited about it, and that's all great. Uh, he also has, and then the rest of this section is kind of a joke. There's a whole <laughs> bunch of wild cards and, and qualifiers. And Ivo Karlovic is a seed on clay, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, he could very well want to play Montañez in the third round, which has a lot. I'm, I'm here for a few things here in this section. First of all, I remember calling that Andy Murray Stepanek match in Madrid. It was fun. Um, which was fun. It went a full three sets. Stepanek played incredibly well. Biggest takeaway from that match, Stepanek can't do it over... That was best of three. He's not going to be able to do it over best of five. No. Can he get a set off Murray? Absolutely. Maybe he might even be able to get two. He's not getting three. Not not in these conditions, and especially depending on when this match gets scheduled, not if it's played on um, Monday, which is going to be a cold, wet day. Tuesday, it's supposed to warm up a little bit, which would help steps. But um, yeah, there's a lot of names in here that I don't recognize. I'm going to be honest in this little section. I saw a screen cap on, on Twitter of someone screen capped the four consecutive names of Lazo Jerry, Jordan Thompson, Matias Borg, and Jordi Samper Montana, Montana. And it was like, who? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, Which I is do, fine. I mean, it's good, I it's good to get new blood in there. Good for them. Uh-huh. There's also an, an, an Albot. Yeah, Radu Albot um, from, from Moldova. Yeah. The top Moldovan for quite a while now. <laughs> since the, uh, dis- oh, who was the other Moldovan guy? I'm blanking on his name. Uh, there was another Moldovan at some point. <laughs> there you go. But, but I am I'm very curious, and I really kind of want to see happen in the third round, John Isner versus Benoit Paire. I would be down with that. I'm a little bit worried about John Isner losing to Kyle Edmund in the second round, because, good Lord, we're not going to hear the end of that one. <laughs> I think Americans only ever lose to James Ward, so I don't think to worry about Kyle Edmund. You never know. I, I still remember watching Kyle Edmund. I can't remember who he played here last year. Um, oh, I remember it was a really bad match. It was long, and Murray and went out there to watch. Started cramping, yeah, and it was cold, and it was at the, the court, court that's seven, next to which is, the. I think it's gotten it's blown gone. up now. Yeah, it's yeah. gone. But yeah, anyways, Kyle Edmund, who's, I mean, a great dude, but like, yeah, that I, that would be a lot of of Britishness it, reacting. Oh my gosh! Imagine a, imagine, imagine a Murray Edmund fourth round. Imagine the Brit explosion. Oh, there would be such the, a Brit explosion. The kings of clay, the royal court of clay. The monarchy the of clay. clay. Na- the clay nation that Dirt- is Great Britain. We are Dirtball Nation, Britain. You will not take that from us. <laughs> Understood. We had our all-American all Italian Open final. 
we got this stuff. Big picture, bottom half. Andy Murray making this final, you think? Or does Stan Wawrinka get it? Or is Nisha Corey sneaking in there? What's it's tough. I mean, I think I think the Murray-Nisha Corey match is going to be massive, obviously, which would be a quarterfinal. And then, like you said, Stan Wawrinka controls his own destiny, which Stan shows up in Paris. I think that if Stan makes that semifinal, I'm going to give Stan I agree. the edge. But if Stan doesn't make it there, I think Andy Murray will make the final. I agree. I think I think if both Murray and Vavrinka make the final, make the semi, I pick Stan. Because if Stan is playing well enough to make that semi, he's playing well enough to beat Andy Murray. And he's so close. Yeah. You know, he's like, he's like, okay, well now I'm only like two matches away from this whole thing being over. Like he finally can like lock in and like... And then he beats Djokovic again. It's just so troll lol. <laughs> Bless his little heart. All right. So big picture takeaway, I guess, men's champ. I mean, I still pick Novak. I'm sorry. I don't know. Is this a hot take? You don't need to apologize. No, he's the favorite. I feel like people really are like making this look way more wide open than it is. I will say, big looking back, you were one of the most reluctant Novak uh, uh, anointers. Yes. Going back into past years, you were you hung with Rafa for a very long time. Yes. As favorite, Um, yeah, and you weren't wrong really because you bailed on last year. Rafa didn't win last year. And needed Novak in the end. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think this is again Novak's to lose. Can he lose it? Of course. Yes. But it's his sports. Because sports. Because sports. Let's talk oh about my him. god, if Andy Murray beats him in the final, I cannot. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. My reaction of even the idea of that potentially happening. <laughs> Women's draw. <laughs> Ladies sports. All right. Top seed, Serena Williams. Defending champion Serena Williams, again. Her f- f- title here last year was one of the like least likely things. That's, it doesn't make any sense. She at all. says it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, and it's thinkable. We could have had she lost in that semifinal, like she could have to Bachinski. We would have had a Bachinski Safarova uh, final here. Which okay, been, first of all, I don't like your tone. Which would to been, be honest? I think it's uh, remarkable. Because I think Tamea wins that my, match. I agree with you, and I, I think Tamea as a French Open champion is pretty, pretty awesome. Co- I think it's pretty cool. No, my three tone years was from getting awe. an email. Oh. It's a good, oh. it's wrote itself. Or actually, I wrote that story. You did. You know, I was like, she you didn't helped. write itself. You, you wrote it. Um, <laughs> so Serena's the draw, I think, is good to the start. Um, opens with Magdalena Rubarkova, who hasn't played much or well. Not a clay court lover. Uh, made... Her last tour level match is 6-love, six 6-love. Six Lost to Victoria Azarenka in on, Indian Wells. I called that on radio. Oh, I'm that sorry. Was tough. Well, at least it was short. It was short. <laughs> it's a I nice short stint. I liked that. Yeah, I made my normal daily bagel analogy because at one point, uh, Rubarkova had Love 40. And so my normal double bagel, na- or a verdell bagel analogy is the crowd always gives this huge cheer when someone gives the first uh, game point. Their first game. No, just, just the first game when they get oh, yeah, on the board. Yeah. And so it was Love 40 looking safe because Azarenka wasn't serving very well. And I was like, the, the crowd, the noise the crowd make is always like, when like people see like a kitten getting pulled off the railroad tracks, it's just like people are like, "Yeah, you didn't get this horrible death." <laughs> and then she lost the love forty lead, and the kitten railroad analogy just kept going downhill from there. So not yeah, a great moment for Rubarkova. Got to be in a not probably not for your radio career either. No, probably not. Yeah. Wasn't asked back. <laughs> uh, so this section, who do you see? I guess big picture in here for Serena in well, this in this first uh, four rounds for her. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't think that this is this is going to be too tough for Serena. I I am despite uh, all of the headlines that immediately came out after the draw came out that that Serena Williams was given a tough draw. I just don't think that is true. Um, and especially not true in the first four rounds. Anna Ivanovic has not won back-to-back matches at a tour-level event since uh, February. 
so semifinalist here last year. I would not necessarily expect her to be able to to navigate things. Uh, Alina Svitolina has not played well on clay since no. the tournament has moved over, despite being coached by uh, Justine Un. Um, so there's that. Serana Kirstea uh, could make it through. That I, I was going to say, actually. Kirstea or Ivanovic, just because her draw's in that tough, but like... Kirstea, I think, can very well make the foreground of this tournament as a qualifier, which would be yeah. very cool for her, and it's good to have her back. You talked to her in Madrid. Mm-hmm. How was she? She was lovely and, and just incredibly mature and had great perspective of this kind of second career for her and sees a lot of the problems that happened, you know, of, of being a tennis prodigy while she was young and getting, you know, big results and not being emotionally prepared for all that. Um, it was a really, you know, eye-opening interview. I, I went into it not expecting any of that. It was just like a basic catch-up with Serana. Um, but she was very open about it all. So if you're a journalist listening, you should probably track down Serana Cristea sometime in Paris because um, she's got she's got a lot of thoughts. But yeah, I mean, Serena, you know, there's a potential uh, she'd really have to zone and I just don't see it happening uh, to Maya Babos um, in the uh, second round um, or third round uh, yeah, against third Serena. Round. Yeah. Um, Babos beat Venus in Rome. Yeah, long exactly. Match. It was a long match, and, and that she'd really have to it'd have to be a combination of things. But Mladenovic Schiavone is a fun first round because Mladenovic has not played well at all this year in singles. Well, she made the final semifinal in uh, Strasbourg this week, so finally got a few wins yeah. under her belt. But I agree, I I, I don't see Mladenovic as being a threat in this section at all, and she is the first seed that Serena could face in the third round. So that gives you an idea of what how soft I think. Um, this the, the first week for Serena will be, which is what she needs. Quarters, though, if assuming that Victoria Azarenka is at full strength, which you should not assume because she hadn't been in Rome or Madrid, um, she says she's doing better now. We'll see how it all plays out on court. Uh, that's the quarterfinal for Serena, the sort of tough... This is the equivalent of what would have been like a Djokovic at all quarter in the men's side, well, I feel like. Yeah, but no. But on clay, you're thinking no? No, I think it's Sabolkova. Um, Sabolkova, oh. 22 seed. In this section, I think she is the most informed player in there. And I think that there are a lot of doubts about Vika. I think that she's been given a good draw to get herself into position into the third or fourth round. But I think that in a head-to-head between Sabokova and Nazarenka, I actually give the, the, the hat tip there to Domi. You like Domi to beat Carla? Well. Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah, I I'm do. I'm not sure I would. Um, Carla hasn't been playing great, hasn't had a great clay, uh, clay run-up at all, um, and comes in with a, with a few question marks there. So I think I think it's Domi. I'd, I'd be very very surprised if Sabolka doesn't make the quarterfinals to play Serena um, hmm. out of the section. But that's that's wow. my read on that. That's a pretty big pick right there. I like that. I don't think so. I don't. I think it's it's. I don't know. I think if if you if you relax your eyes when you look at the draw, <laughs> you see a pome coming at you in three D. So <laughs> big ceiling height exactly. pome. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Victoria Azarenka though is in here. I think her early draw is good. Yeah. And this 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 cluster of Pekovic Robson first round two players who've been struggling. Uh, and then possibly play Putin Seva second round. So here for all of that. Oh yeah, no, I mean uh, David Kane, uh, over fanboy, uh, my coworker and a web editor at the WTA. He is all about that Putin Seva making it through that section. I think that interestingly, I do think that if Petkovic can get through that, uh, she has a draw where she can get through Robson and then Putin the sec- Seva. Yeah, Putin Seva and then play Vika. I think that the, because there are question marks about where Vika's at right now. That's an interesting third round yeah. match. And she's had tough draws in this clay season. Yeah. She played Madison Keys, which didn't seem like a tough draw at the time, but yeah. Keys backed it up in Rome. Yeah. So there you go with that. Section three, what I think is the toughest first round match of all, is this first match here in uh, this this quarter, which is Kerber versus Burton's. Burton's just won two titles in Nuremberg. Lovely little tournament. Uh, B- 
winning singles and doubles as a qualifier. Uh, so a lot of matches. Is she worn out? Who knows? But she definitely has a lot of form and confidence, which is something Kerber doesn't have right now. And so I think upset special on the women's side, I'm circling that first round burdens over Kerber. Um, other other thoughts? Uh, your girl Katsukina is in that section as well. Uh, Camilla Georgie. Alize Lim, who I only mentioned because her overall outfit looks real good. Amazing. Looks so Love good. It. I actually want her to win matches just so that, that over, those overalls get like on court more. It looks so good. She's not going to win that match. But, you know, it'd be cool. Yeah. yeah no, that, that kit is dope. This section and Free this quarter, this round. second quarter uh, of the top half is nuts. And, it, and I think that it's where you're going to get a ton of just great matches and really interesting things. And it's kind of like a bad luck section for anyone who landed in here because there are a lot of talented names who are in form right now who are in this section who are not going to be able to survive this section, yeah. which is very, very frustrating. So, yeah, I think Kerber Burton's is tough. And then Kerber then could have to play Georgie, which, yeesh, um, you know, don't want to be anywhere near that. Third round could play Kashatkina, which wouldn't necessarily be easy. And then fourth round could play, you know, a Madison Keys or a Daria Gavrilova, whoever wins that potential second round match, which I think is a really crap draw for Madison Keys. Agreed. Um, and Gavrilova has Duque Marino, who just made final of Nuremberg. Yeah, and who basically limped her way through it. So yeah. I think Duque Marino is not going to be able to put on much of a show against I wouldn't Gavrilova. think she would. I'm just saying another name who's in form, yeah. is what I'm saying. No, for sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually think Gavrilova has a really good shot of getting out of this section um, and making a potentially the fourth round of I would have thought quarters. that too, but Keys was very convincing as Gavrilova in Fed Cup. That that's match, true. That on clay, that was very. That's, that's when true. Madison. I was like, I was genuinely surprised with that. I thought Gavrilova had that match. That's a good. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about her. that. So I, I think I pick. You know what? Hell, I'll pick Madison to make it out of the. Yeah, I mean, I think that you can really pick. You could pick a keys. You can make an argument for Gavrilova. You can make an argument for Kerber. a Kerber. You can make an argument for Kasatkina. Maybe even Burton's if you're going crazy. Seriously, that's a lot. No, seven. She already had as a qualifier at Nuremberg. She already won seven matches, and she's going to have to come here and play. Most likely, I believe, on Monday. It's already Sunday, or it's Saturday now. It's, I don't know. I'm not sure. And Kerber did beat her in Miami, although Burton's was sick in that yeah. match. But um, I'm not. It's I'm a fun section. Sure. It's a very fun section, that section, that top of the. It's fun in the next, next section as well, yeah. the bottom section of that quarter, with uh, anchored by Baczynski and Venus. Also in here, Luisa Chirico, who could play Venus in the second round. That'd be great. Which is amazing. Um, then, then that first round match between Laura Siegemund and Eugenie Bouchard to potentially play Baczynski in the second round, I think is really, really interesting. I'm curious to know how that match between the German and the Canadian goes down. Those are two very feisty ladies. Those are some feisty ladies. Some feisty ladies who uh, uh, do their own thing, march to beats of their own drummer. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I just want to really watch it. <laughs> Mona Bartle back after a while. Just noticed that name in their head. Noticed her in the well, and also before. Falcone took a really bad fall mm. uh, this week in was it Strasbourg? She, in no, Nuremberg? she she was in Nuremberg. In Nuremberg, and so hopefully she's able to take the court for that match. But that Falcone Barthel match to me is kind of a match of the walking wounded, uh, with Mona being ill as well. And it could be an instance of what you said before about Grand Slam prize money. Take and that money. You have Get direct that. in. Get that check. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nicolescu, not a very comfortable clay quarter. So I actually could very well see Parmentier. Parmentier. Stevens. Yeah, I could definitely see Parmentier into third round here. As, and she's made decent yeah. runs here before um, in recent years. So the classic Paris tradition everyone forgets about until then. Okay, so that was the top half uh, <laughs> yeah. with Baczynski in there. How do you see this playing out big term? Do you, do you, I, I mean, I see my pick is for Baczynski to make the semis. Yes. I have a rematch against Serena. If I is have that what to, you say too? If I have to pick a single name, then I, as I said on the Insider Podcast preview, I pick 
to Mia Baczynski to get out of here. I think just because she's the most reliable, she's in form. She's won 14 of her last 17 matches, I believe. Um, she's pretty good at, 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 at taking care of business. And as stacked as that top section, her potential quarterfinal opponent, they're all going to have to beat each other up yeah. to get to that. It's like, oh, she could play Kerber, Keith. Yeah, she will play one of them, not like all of them. Yeah. So um, I think I think she's in a good spot. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking rematch of Serena versus Baczynski in the semi. And can Tamea win that time? I don't think it's impossible. Yes, I think I think, I think of the most dangerous player for Serena, I think informed Baczynski again, like it was last time. I think Baczynski's peak is higher. I mean, that tournament last year, she had a good tournament last year. Sorry, a good year last year leading up to the French Open. But she got some lucky breaks along the way in the French Open itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, she played a very out-of-form Kudova. It was her big seed. And then she played Van Oitvank in the quarters, uh, who's out of this tournament this year, by the way. Uh, so I think that she's in better position to pull off that upset legitimately against a, against a full-trained Serena than she was uh, Yeah, last I think year. that Tamea's playing better and tennis now. Helps. Uh, than she was last year, whereas I think, I mean, Serena obviously last year was incredibly ill, so she's playing technically better tennis because she's fit. Yeah. But um, but Tamea has closed, I think, the gap just a little bit because she she's she's just gotten better. I mean, she's yeah. much more fit this year than she was last year. So just uh, defense wise and movement wise, I think, um, you know, yeah, I wouldn't, I'd give her a shot there for sure. B- bottom half, and it's a sign of, I think, how twenty sixteen has gone. The big name I see in this first part of the. Uh, third quarter of the draw is Begu. Yeah, Begu's been so money this year. She Begu, has been arguably she's 25 the, most seed. Con- the most consistent player on clay in the WTA this year. Yeah, quarterfinals of Charleston, quarterfinal Madrid, semifinal of Rome. No one else did that. No, that's pretty incredible. Then she hasn't been comfortable on clay all year. Uh, that would be your possible first seed. And then she has one of Carolina Pliskova, who's again not a clay quarter, or Kvitova, again not a clay quarter, hasn't had a great stretch at all but is also petra right who knows who, who, so it's, I mean, petra, it's like, <laughs> like we said i think like we said in rome petra's kind of like stan if they show up with yes. everything they can do it they can petra can make it through this to the quarterfinals if she comes and peaks easily and she'll blow begu off the court yeah. but begu i think is the most reliable pick to make it through this section which otherwise is relatively uh, without names i think vesnina's had a good I was year gonna say vesnina, vesnina could definitely could, could make the fourth round fourth round and who knows maybe win that match just mm-hmm. a bit of a coin flip vesnina she's consistent Begu. she's constant yeah. she's you know she and as you you know you've been doing a lot of olympic previews vesnina has a shot at possibly sneaking into a single spot for yeah. the russian team so right now it's uh the, the assuming that maria sharapova does not play the olympics which opens up an extra spot obviously you can send four players to the olympics uh it's kind of coming down that fourth spot to for the Russians to uh, either Vesnina or Daria Kashatkina and about two months ago I thought Kashatkina had it absolutely locked up because I assumed that once the clay turned over she was going to play just as well as she played on hard courts that hasn't happened at all so she hasn't really been able to make a run whereas Vesnina made the the Charleston final and has played fairly consistently so this is the last gap, last chance for these players to get uh, get points to to qualify and uh, I think I think Vesnina is in a better position now than Kashatkina to get that spot. Interesting. It starts to rain yeah. in Paris. Um, this lovely atrium-type roof we have here. Uh, this next section is pretty fun, I think. I like the two. It would be the one where the two C's meeting in the end. I think it's pretty cool. If we do get a Muguruza, Kuznetsova yeah. uh, uh, fourth round here, it's two seeds who are very comfortable on clay but play very different styles of clay court tennis. Muguruza still being very power-driven and flat, <laughs> and Kuznetsova being the most sort of classic clay quarter, really, in terms of the top seeds. I think we have this year's tournament with the, all the top spin and the defense and uh, the streakiness and all that fun stuff. 
Um, other notable things in this section besides those two big names? I think that's the the big one is if those two can can stay together. I think that, uh, you know, what, keep an eye out for that second round match with Christina McHale and Muguruza just because McHale has been playing much better tennis lately. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, first rounder between Nicole Gibbs and Heather Watson should be interesting. But this is really up to Svetlana Kuznetsova to kind of make her way through to make that fourth round match happen. If not... The big winners in on draw day were the two top seeds in this bottom section, or not two, but top seeds, but were Garbina Muguruza and Simona Halep. And so the only player that I think could stop a Simona Halep Garbina Muguruza semifinal, other than them themselves, is um, Svetlana Kuznetsova. I think yeah. she could play the big spoiler in that fourth round. Uh, I will also point out Christina McHale has had a very, very solid mm-hmm. clay court and just year. Her year, mm-hmm. I guess her since, since Australia, it's been really good. Uh, she plays Mugger's the second round and she beat her in Indian Wells. Yes, she did. So if she can duplicate that, there's a shot there for a bit of a spoiler for Christina McHale of New Jersey. T-Nex uh, finest. Yep. Uh, the bottom quarter of the draw has Simona Halep, who, like I think you said, was a big draw winner and I think was a huge, she was the biggest draw, huge winner. draw winner on either draw, I yeah. think, really. <laughs> Um, Jack, just this, you know, Jack's heavy slot machine sounds <laughs> coming sounds out here. Vegas, yeah, all of it. All of it's been really good for her. She has now Habino first. Will she lose first round? Not now. Not I now. Not now, I don't not think. Not now. Uh, and then Ostapenko is her seed. Ostapenko is not a comfortable clay quarter. Hasn't had a great stretch here. Uh, Osaka Ostapenko is fun. Um, it's just a sort of a two young players. I think Ostapenko, I think Osaka might be kind of lost on clay, but whatever. Uh, they're Saf- going to both be trying to hit the absolute cover off the ball. And that will be very fun to watch Naomi Osaka and Elena Ostapenko. Matt Trelope of Tennis Australia, who follows these things much closer than I do, was saying he was lamenting that Stozer drew Safarova yet again. Apparently that's like almost a like thing. a Burdich Anderson situation it's in thing. his own way. Uh, so that's a, that's a tight uh, third round here. And Sam, I'm lucky with this draw for sure. Well, and also carrying a left wrist injury yeah. into the tournament, so definitely important to keep that in mind as you kind of try and handicap her her chances yeah. here. But a very nice draw, I think, for Lucy Safarova, Completely. who's trying to obviously defend final points, but um, you know, just also just try and get some momentum and some good vibes again. So opens against uh, Vitalia Dychenko, and then gets either Allison Risk or Victoria Golubic of. Uh, uh, of uh, Switzerland. Yeah. So Gotta that's, love this draw. Yeah, th- that's pretty good stuff for, for Lucy Safarova. If she can get herself to the fourth round, I think that is a massively successive, uh, successful tournament for her. And if she gets herself to the fourth round, that's not easy match for, for Simona Halep. Yeah, definitely. If she's playing well, you know. So. This last part of the quarter, I think why the Halep was the big winner is because the seed she got was Radvanska, who is as close, I think, as I've seen a top player being a young top player being in this age, almost like giving up on clay. Like, and even though I think she has had a, maybe one decent Stuttgart run at some point, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Um, she just doesn't seem to have her heart in the service at all. She's a bit like the Andy Roddick <laughs> clay seed, same initials, AR, yep. um, being there. And so that's, that's a draw breaker or a draw bender when there is a Roddick or someone like that. Cause they don't have a seating formula here and they adjust for that. Uh, Ravonska. It's almost how we used to think about Andy Murray before he became the king of clay. That whoever, when he was a big four guy, whoever landed in his hat or whatever, he was like, oh, well, you win because you don't have to play the other three who are amazing. And then Irani, who normally is a dangerous clay quarter, and I would just write in and like pen to the quarterfinals, has had a terrible clay season. And I, I guess it's been dealing with some sort of rib injury or something. Yeah. Good draw for her to at least get the third round. But I think that Sloane Stevens, uh, if she's in any form in Sloane, you never know with Sloane how she's going to post up at a tournament. It's kind of all or nothing with her this year. Um, she can make quarters here, absolutely, or it can go to uh, Stritseva. Or I, Garcia. Or Garcia, yeah, who Garcia. Just won, 
who just won a, a in Strasbourg, um, finally getting some wins together, and she opens against Lesia Serenko, and then would play theoretically Radvanska if Radvanska beats Jovanovski. I mean, that's I think she will. I think yeah. she will. I think she will. And but you know, that's not necessarily a, an easy set of matches. Sloane Stevens opens against Margarita Gasparian, who is a very good hardcore player also on grass clay not so much a thing <laughs> so that's a pretty good opening draw for sloan stevens and then could potentially play sabina lisicki in the second round who is like beta petra like it, it's up to you i don't know if, if you if you hit lines and you serve 14 aces yeah you're probably going to win the match but that's up for you up to you to do so this whole section i don't know kind of like streets of a through it but i think it's me streets of and sloan that'll be a fun fourth yeah. round that's a, that's my pick for this and then Halep to kind of cruise past whoever gets yeah. out of there and I think Halep yeah she's the big drama she makes semis for sure and then I think it's a bit of a toss this is classic WTA this year like it's just like these names who aren't you it's what makes it WTA so much more layered and interesting than ATP in some ways everyone's kind of relevant to WTA because Aww. you never know you say such nice things I do well <laughs> backhanded nice things and uh and I think yeah players like Begu like Kuznetsova like I mean Begu's in play to make this final if need be that's crazy it could easily be an all Romanian semi here which would be a nice sort of trend story for people to write yeah um so that could happen Big picture, though, I do not see Simona to go all the way to the end. I don't see Simona beating Serena. Nope. Garby could. Garby could. Yes. Garby could. I don't think. I don't think Simona could. Um, I don't think that she's there quite yet. Um, if everything remains as it is, status quo, nobody comes down with some flu mid tournament or whatever. Um, you know, I mean, a, a Mukarutsa Serena final would be pretty amazing. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, Halep has the better of, of Garbina on clay in their head-to-head. So, again, it, it, so much of the WTA, as a full-time WTA writer, I can say, is so matchup-related that you can't just say, like, this player is really good and is better than that player. This player is ranked here, and they're better than that player, so they're expected. It's like, no, you have to actually look at the matchups and the surfaces and to see where everything's at. And, you know, it's one of those where it's like, Simona could probably beat Garby on clay, but she probably can't beat Serena on clay, whereas Garby yeah. could be Simona, uh, or uh, yeah, vice versa, all that. Anyways. So there we go. So that's go. that's a good look at the draws. Thank you guys very much for listening to this episode of No Challenges Remaining. If you want to follow along with us and you're not listening, you can do so. We're marking. It's just good timing because my computer just ran out of battery <laughs> as we finished the draws. So yay for that. If you want to follow along with us and you're not listening, you can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at NCR underscore tennis. Send us emails for upcoming shows during the French Open. We'll do some shows. I'm not quite sure what our programming will be, but we'll do some stuff during the French. Uh, send us questions, no challenge remaining at gmail.com with, with guest suggestions, requests, queries, thoughts, whatever, complaints, whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> send it there. Subscribe to our show on a podcasting app of your choice, and which includes iTunes. And you can send us, uh, leave us reviews on iTunes and ratings and, that, and subscribe on iTunes. All those things help us. A bit with the rankings to get NCR into the ears of more fine folks like you. And tell your friends. We don't say that, but just tell people. If you like NCR, be like, hey, this is cool. Listen to this. Is that one music thing. That was weird. Otherwise, it's okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Or maybe you want more music in which we'll have the results show at some point later. Uh, I did not really think out totally the timing of the results show in terms of like... I was like, you're really going to make a results show during the French Open? <laughs> I know. I, so, I kind of want to... If, if people can bear the suspense, I might hold the results show 
uh, until after the French Open. And we have some, uh, even though voting's closed, maybe I'll re- I, sh- I shouldn't reopen voting, but voting's closed, and we'll have a, we have a winner. I don't want to tamper with that part of it. Um, but we have some pretty cool stuff in the results show, some green room interviews with some of the contestants. So you guys should enjoy it and in- enjoy the this process. And thank you for the 400 plus people who voted for NCR Vision, which is pretty crazy that I get people, that many people to buy into this admittedly absurd idea. Uh, the executive producers of No Challenge Remaining are Pancho Rosendez of TennisBalls.com and Tao Woolley. Courtney, you want to rant, rave? Sure, I would love to. I'm going to rave, and it's somewhat self-serving, but I don't care. It's our podcast. Um, yeah, this is all for you. Yeah, I wanted to rave about Racket Magazine. Yes. Yes. Do it. So Racket Magazine is uh, a print quarterly uh, basically literary journal uh, about tennis that is being launched by Caitlin Thompson and David Shaftel, two very experienced uh, writers, podcasters, um, content creators, tennis writers. They have their own tennis podcast. Uh, they have their own tennis podcast called The Main Draw, which you should definitely listen to because it's hilarious and their takes are and fire. It, and it's so, it's so different from ours. Like yeah. it's, it's so like from a distance. So this yeah. way it's like, I think it's like a very sort of, we're like too up close. I mean, like in some way, or maybe not too, but we're very up close and they are like very firm and very detached and they can say a lot of things that we cannot say. Exactly. No, that's that they are, they add an absolutely very necessary point of view in the tennis podcasting community because as ben mentioned it's like we can like we're like so close to the painting that we're like is that aquamarine blue or is it like baby blue is it like kind of cerulean and we talk about that for 45 minutes and then caitlin and david are like that is a freaking ugly painting um but anyways so caitlin and david uh have launched a racket magazine on kickstarter they're funding the first issue themselves it's going to be shipped internationally. There's incredible writers that are involved. Our very good friend Carol Bouchard is one of them, but also Sasha Furrow Jones is going to be writing a piece in 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 one of the issues. And also Courtney Nguyen. Courtney Nguyen is yeah. also, and I'm also I I should say I'm also like on the editorial board and, and somewhat involved with the magazine, and it's been really really cool just watching some of the crazy stuff that they've been able to come up with, and some of the story ideas that are coming are fantastic and. It's just, it's not, don't think of it as a tennis magazine. Like nowadays, like when we think of a tennis magazine, it's very contemporary. It's very much about tennis that's happening like right now. All very gear centric. Yeah. And also prognosticating like, is this the greatest of all time? Is this, you know, like that sort of kind of hot takey sports talk with respect to tennis. This is about writing and it's, it's about, um, you know, some, you know, going back in history, looking at tennis, um, you know, from a bunch of different angles, whether it's the fashion side of things or, you know, yeah, players and coaches and important figures in tennis historically, current day stuff as well, how that history impacts, you know, the landscape that we see right now. That's kind of the vision for it. And um, they've already got a partnership uh, with like, for example, the Ace Hotel chain who are going to help distribute the magazine, independent bookstores are going to be uh, carrying it as well. So that's kind of the aesthetic that they're looking for. Um, uh, but anyways, if, if you guys can, and I would ask you on my knees to, to do this, is to uh, uh, subscribe for 50 bucks. You get four issues. Uh, you can do that via the Kickstarter. And they're trying to raise $50,000 in order to basically fund um, you know, these issues and, uh, hopefully we can get there because I think this is going to be a really cool thing and it's um, pricey, but it's like quality. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's tangible. Yeah. How much writing outside of books or how much tennis writing do you have that is tangible? Yeah. It, it doesn't exist anymore. And, and it's really cool designed. Like, trust me, you guys, these people know like what they're doing. And, uh, uh, if you're familiar with the howler, 
which is a uh, literary journal for, for soccer or football that was based in the States. Um, it's very similar to that in terms of its idea and its production value, which is really, really high. So that's very good. And I, I'll, I'll co-sign all of that. Check it out. It's going to be very cool. Good people. I know um, Daryl Marzorati, who's also mm-hmm. has a tennis book out recently, uh, former New York Times Magazine editor, also I think is on the list of people who are going to be contributing yes, to this. Right. So that's another just name to bait you guys with for this wonderful racket situation they have going on over there. Uh, my rant will be briefer. Um, I took a uh, car ride. Yes, I drove for the first time outside the U.S., which was fun. Interesting. Like, and European highways are different. I mean, I had a GPS in my car that I put my destination to. It was a long drive. It's going somewhere. And I didn't realize the first time I was leaving France. So it was a long drive. Uh, the first time, I guess, my GPS had been auto set to, like, have a preference of avoiding tolls. Which I didn't really think would make that big a difference, but it makes a huge difference, <laughs> apparently. And it added, like, an extra, like, three hours onto my trip. And it's, like, through, like, middle-of-nowhere French towns. And that's, I was really pissed. I was, like, once I figured that out later. Because I Google mapped it the night before. It was, like, seven hours. Like, okay, I'll be fine. Then, the next day, I, I get back in the car. I was, like, I'm turning off this toll nonsense. And I go <laughs> get tolls. And then in France, I paid, like, 30 euros in tolls <laughs> for, like, like a four-hour drive. Not okay. There's a happy meeting. It was only somewhere. four hours. No, just four hours, which is France. Oh, yeah. Okay. There are no tolls outside France, but yeah, France yeah. is jacking things up. That's why none of your players oh, live France. here. No one's paying your ridiculous government fees or whatever. France, you're just like destroying oh, the people's France. will. Oh, France. So, oh, France. Yeah. And with that, I mean, let's yeah. just say that like I chose not to do a rant as my rant rave because you're gonna get it in the next episode. Trust me. France, the war we... continues. Oh. Harsh Court, words. Courtney versus Paris never ends well. <laughs> Just such a process. <laughs> and with that, bye guys. Bye. Bye bye. Enchanté, enchanté